All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Episode number 76. No, 76? No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Rewind, rewind. No, 76. Tony Palandrani, 77 today. Look at that. Already blending them together. Episode 77 of the Chasing Waypoints podcast today. 23 more to go. We're going to stick with the tradition. We're going to keep counting them down to 100 episodes. And I am looking forward to that one. So what are we going to do? I think we've got a pretty good posse going now. Trying to figure out, you know, all right, where are we going? What are we going to do? How much rally raid and adventure stuff can we stick into this event? This gathering. It's going to be a gathering for sure. Got to do a meetup, right? In Southern California, summer weather. I think someone, you know, the beach might be nice. Somewhere near the water would be kind of cool. Hmm. What can we do? I mean, it's not like there's, you know, no beaches here or anything like that. I think that would be a maybe Fiesta Island. I don't know. Right, we're going to have to figure this out. But before we figure that out, we're on today's episode. And we are in another in the bivouac. This time around, we are in the bivouac with Eliseo Garcia of Nora. So for those of you who don't know, the Nora organization does put on the happiest race on earth and known as the Mexican 1000 and also now as a recent the Nora 500. So we're going to find out a little bit more about those events and then another big one. If you guys listened to the episode not too long ago with Matt Sutherland picking up the W at this event, well, we want to know more about it because they were racing rally bikes, road books, and we want to know about that decision and what did they... Uh, what did they find out? You know, that's that's the that's the deal. That's what I want to know. You know, was it everything that they hoped and dream? How was it from the organization standpoint? You know, I've always worked with rally raids and uh, or the rally raids that I've worked on, on with all started there. So there wasn't like a new new thing going on. That's just what they were. So definitely curious to hear a little bit more about this transition. But and some of the history of the Nora, you know. Obviously, a lot going on with that one. But if you guys didn't tune in to last week's episode with Tony Panandrani getting started, one of the newer newcomers to the Rally Raid side of things, about four years old, but definitely worth a listen. He's a very accomplished rider, was one of the first back. I met him at the San Quintin Baja Rally American Rally Originals training event. And so got a chance to catch up with him and then before him was Chris Tavener again another one that I met down at the Baja Rally American Rally Originals training event so definitely looking forward to them and what they accomplished you know, with this more getting some more rally raid under it sounds like Tony's going to be headed to the six day Baja Rally same with Chris so curious to see how that goes for them and the training and what they're doing to keep up with that one and then you know of course we've got all the guys from the American Rally Originals Paul, Kyle, David, Mo, all those guys getting ready for Dakar. So definitely want to keep up with them and see what their training is like and what they've got going on. So turning the party down here, we are waiting for Eliseo to come online. We sent him the link. So let's see what we got. And uh, before I forget, uh, we have uh, Caramel, the rally dog, soon to be rally. I put Caramel four paws, but, you know, maybe rally Caramel, the rally dog, Caramel rally. I don't know, something like that, but. Anyway, she's bumping around the desk and running around in here. So if you hear her, uh, I've got the uh, I've got the treats ready to go. So we should be able to keep her at bay. But all right. With that being said, 
Let's see. Let's take a look here. We are waiting for him to jump online, so it'll probably be here just a second. Uh, let's take a look. So Mexican 1000, pretty cool. Um, so what I know of the event, right, before we get into into the, the big part of it, right, uh, what I know about the event is basically it's kind of like a rally style uh, event. They do have bivouacs along the peninsula running the entire length of the peninsula, and they have certain stops. The bikes and the cars are on different courses. They have different classes. Um, and everybody that I've talked to about this event has always enjoyed it to to the nth degree. And it was like, you got to go. You got to go. So definitely going to try and make it out to this event and uh, here in here in the near future. Uh, but speaking of the near future, looks like uh, we've got Eliseo on the line. Let me see. Eliseo. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hey, sir. Can you hear me? Check, check. Are you there? I hear the... I hear what sounds like the ocean. Hello? Hey, Liseo, are you there? Can you hear me? Uh-oh, sounds like we may have some technical difficulties here. Let's give it just a second here. Uh, I, we're texting here, too, at the same time. Let's see if he's... Should be able to hear me. Eliseo, are you there? You hear the dog from below. Hey, let's go. All right, let's see if we can get this uh, get this here figured out. All right. Finally, <laughs> a little bit of technical difficulty, but we're we're able to get a result. How are you, sir? Uh, fine, thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, of course. No, we. Uh, so we talked to Matt Sutherland. And, okay, and then I've talked to a couple of other people, and they're all like, "You have to talk to Eliseo." <laughs> you've been you've, you've been talking to crazy people. Ah, <laughs> well, I don't know. You, you know, this whole off-road thing—you got to be a little bit crazy. <laughs> yes, I agree totally. Yeah, nice. So, okay, I mean, I like right away, right? Away, happiest race on earth, Mexican One Thousand. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and what the event is about. Well, basically, it is a um, five-day uh, rally uh, through the Baja Peninsula. We start in Ensenada, and we finish in uh, San Jose del Cabo. Um, so the happiest race on earth, why? Well, basically, it is because we try to make it as fun as possible for everyone. Uh, we always try to, you know, um, make everybody happy. And I think we've, we've done a good job. Everybody thinks about it, and, and they just think they had a good time with us. Um, this year, it was a bit of a challenge for bikes because um, the way that we used to do navigation for bikes was GPS-based. And uh, we had a roadbook, yes, and it had basically all the waypoints and uh, tulips and, you know, dangers and markings and everything but mainly uh riders were following a trail on a gps <clears throat> what happened is that they became lazy um, we got to the point where they didn't even use the roadbook anymore and they were just chasing dust and uh, riding what they could see and it got to the point that it it became dangerous so um we were having a lot of accidents, and um, 
uh, unfortunately, a writer passed away uh, due to an accident uh, a few years ago. And we started looking into how to make the event safer and, uh, and more fun. So I think we did a good job. Uh, a few years later, we got the happiest race on earth and, um, and it's working. It's fine. Yeah, that I mean, everybody see everybody I've ever talked to about the Mexico 1000, all the comments, all the stuff that I've ever heard has always been that that it is a really, really good event. Always a lot of fun. You guys do it already before it was kind of unique, right? You guys stop along the way. It's not a point to point. Exactly. That's also one of the uh, factors that make this uh, a fun event because it's not exhausting. Like, uh, well, it is exhausting. I got to be honest with you, because after five days of racing, you end up racing basically uh, 250 to 400 miles every day. And um, and it is exhausting, but it isn't as uh, exhausting as a Baja 1000, which is a point to point race. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, a thousand miles. We usually do it in a way that we try to make it easy for uh, everybody to race during the day and not at night. Uh, bikes uh, usually race in a completely separate course from the uh, cars. Uh, definitely, there are some sections that are shared. But yes, mostly all racing for bikes is during the day. And uh, I think the longest stage will be around uh, 400 miles. Uh, so... It is, it is a challenge, too. Um, a lot of people might say that uh, it's not as competitive as uh, the car, for example, or Sonora Rally or any other <clears throat> competition rallies. And I agree with that because it's not as tough and it's not as competitive uh, because you don't have any actual prices uh, like uh, cash prices or, or purse or money involved but at the end i can tell you that competition is competition and you know uh riders will start uh uh raising each other uh, when they when they are getting after day two or three when they're too close uh definitely there will be a competition yeah uh, i i learned that a long time you can't you can't put two people on dirt bikes out in the desert and not expect one to try and go faster than the other Exactly. <laughs> even, it, if, even if they're buddies and friends, mm -hmm. it gets to the point where it will be a competition. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and having the breaks, you know, having the stages where you're going to stop and do that stuff, you know, for those guys, I'm sure, like stage wins, things like that. If you guys are posting results, it's competitive. Yes. <laughs> Whether they yes. admit to it or not. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, every day we post out the results for the day. Uh, we race exactly like any rally raid mm -hmm. with uh, special stages uh, timed and uh, liaison stages or transit stages to go from one stage to the other. We usually try to do two special stages per day. Um, short ones sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, like a around 100 miles each one. Mm -hmm. and um, But at the end of the day, every rider will know exactly where they're sitting at. I mean, time-wise. And uh, if they have any penalties, we're adding everything day by day. We try to make it as precise as we can, 
thanks to the uh, Stella tracker, we know if they missed any waypoint or C waypoint or anything that will uh, need to be penalized uh, or any speed zone. And uh, it makes it easy for us to have updated information every day so they can plan their strategy for, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they know they know their standings and they know what what they got to get done that day. Sometimes when there's, especially this year, when we switch from GPS-based navigation to full roadbook navigation, which was a huge step in safety mm-hmm. to start with and uh, in fun. You know, a lot of the teams were uh, fighting us against switching. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, no, you're going you're gonna to take away the fun of Nora. And uh, everything's going to, I don't want to do it if it's only roadbook. And uh, we had only one entry that withdrew from what we had on the entry list because they didn't want it to do the Jimmy Lewis training uh, because we uh, tried to make it as easy as possible for everyone that was registered. And we said, okay, we're doing this for your own safety because we want you guys to be kind of, actually knowing what's coming up ahead. So uh, we want you to be trained by Jimmy Lewis, which is a guy that trains a lot of people that goes to the car and professional riders. So we want him to tell you how to do it, how to switch from GPS-based navigation to fully roadbook navigation. And then uh, we got in, in, in touch with Matthew Glade, and uh, Matthew also uh, gave us a super, super deal on equipment because a lot of the teams did not have the right equipment to, to go into full road roadbook navigation. So it was a transition. I think we accomplished a lot on the Mexican 1000 this year, but it's only the start. I think that this is going to grow huge. Once everybody knows that we're in full roadbook navigation, a lot of teams are, or a lot of riders are going to come down and, you know, try it it's not like i said it's not as tough as riding the dunes at sonora rally or going to the car or any other rally like that it's basically i call it like a stepping stone into rally roadbook navigation so i think this is a great way and we don't feel embarrassed or bad about being like a stepping stone or being considered not as competitive as any other event because we know what we have Mm -hmm. and that's how we are we try to make you happy we want you to enjoy but also you're going to learn something that's going to help you to go and progress from an amateur to a pro rider in the future yeah it it gets them started on the path and you know, you, that's a very good point. There's there's two things. It's a really good point that you, it, it is a stepping stone and, and getting into the, this is a conversation I've had with other friends is that not everybody wants to go sign up for Baja Rally or Sonora Rally as the first rally event that they ever do because exactly. they feel like there's a lot of pressure there. And you guys have cultured and made an event that's everybody has so much fun at that. I th- you know, the transition to road books, I kind of figured there would be some people kind of pushing back on it. But what I heard was that by the end of the event, everybody was all about like the ones that were kind of like, eh, by the end of the event, they were all about it and wanted more. Yes, that that is correct. Exactly. There was not a single writer that said, you know what, 
I'm not coming back because I didn't like what you guys did. It was the opposite. Whoever was kind of fighting us, at the end, they were like, you know what? This was a huge jump into safety. I felt safer. And there were times where I was even riding faster than how I was riding before with the GPS trail. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because they, the same guys that were fighting us, they were like, you know what? Any monkey can chase a, a, a track on a GPS, mm-hmm. but not everyone can actually ride with a roadbook and don't get lost. Yep. Um, also, um, Kevin and Michelle Bush, they were uh, sweeping bikes. Um, they they didn't call it sweeping bikes. They call it herding cats yes. because they were kind of, you know, helping everyone. If they got lost, they were not telling them where to go, but they were suggesting, you know, if I were you, I would go back to the last waypoint that I know for sure that it was there, mm-hmm. reset my odometer and restart and then mm-hmm. try to do it again and find out where did I get lost or stuff like that. So it was like a training session for them too nice. on how to help people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the end, everybody was, was happy. And uh, Matthew uh, came to us and suggested that the way that we had the classes was not the actual right way to to have uh, a rally raid event because rally raid events are a solo rider event mostly. Mm-hmm. And uh, at Nora, we we had categories for teams. Okay. So you have a team like Matt Sutherland, like Matthew Glade. Um, they were by themselves. Mm-hmm riding against a team that has fresh riders every 100 miles. And, um, and they made a big statement by winning. And, um, and I think <clears throat> that also created the need for solo rider classes, which we will have on this next NORA 500 event starting in uh, um, the last of September. Mm-hmm. So um, we already have that created, and it's going to be on the next Mexican 1000 in April. So um, nice. we're kind of evolving. Yeah. So so that actually brings me to the next. So obviously it sounds like it went really well. So it sounds like both the Nora 500 and the Mexican 1000 are, are going to road books. That's just going to be the way forward. Yes. All bike navigation will be done with road books. Um, the course will be different. Uh, the, the Nora 500 has a way of... Uh, it has a system that's kind of tricky and, and you know, kind of uh, different than what a usual rally is when you, ride, when you ride along with cars. So it will be two days of racing, um, Friday and Saturday, which will be, I think it's October, uh, September the 30th and October the 1st. Um, and we have two completely separated courses. Uh, one goes southbound of Ensenada, near the beach, like on the Pacific Ocean. And the other one goes east towards the pine forest and the mountains. So one day, Friday, bikes will go south and do the beach run while cars are on the other course doing the east loop, what we call it, through the pine forest and the hills. The next day, they will switch and bikes will do the east loop and cars will do the south loop. So they will never be sharing the course uh, at the same time. They will be racing simultaneously, but in two different loops. And each loop will be around 250 miles. 
So if you add up uh, both days of racing, you got the Nora 500. So um, it's it's kind of you know crazy, but we tried it two years ago in in uh, no three years ago in 2019 for the first time, and uh, it was a challenge for us promoters because we need to have uh, the double amount of rescue effort, the double amount of checkpoints, everything goes double because we got two hot courses racing at the same time, but it was fun. And the most important thing, it was safe. Mm -hmm. So um, we're planning on doing something similar, obviously changing the course every year to make it more fun, more attractive, challenging too, uh, but never tough. It's it's not our goal to make it tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's sticking to the to the fun side of it. And I, you know, it's it's very interesting that you the the safety thing is is obviously is going to be a reoccurring theme. Um, a lot of the motorcycle racers that I've talked to at at the rallies, a lot of them actually kind of transitioned to rally because they felt that it was more motorcycle focused and that the organizations were more focused on their safety, where some of the bigger organizations uh, seem to be, it seems to be kind of going by the wayside and they're not, not paying attention to the bikes as much. Well, I gotta be honest with you. I just, uh, watched a documentary from an Italian writer. Uh, maybe you have seen it. It's in YouTube. It's all in Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the guy that got run over, but, uh, Genial de Villiers in this mm-hmm. last, the car, um, he shared his experience in the car and, you know, I saw how they get caught by the cars mm-hmm. in that rally, and it scared me. Yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't like to be a rider uh, uh, getting caught up by the fast cars and the car. There's mm-hmm. no respect at all. It was, like, way dangerous. Yeah. So um, we always try to prevent as much as we can uh, fast cars from, um, you know, catching slow bikes so that's why we try to separate the course as much as we can as much as you can and so with with the transition i mean uh just in general the safety side of it first event as a rally and roadbook navigation um the, the crashes the 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 medical the those kind of things did you guys see a decrease in that i mean was it a noted experience you know like you could tell for sure or, or you know, feel kind of the same? yeah <clears throat> it was definitely uh, an accomplishment. We had two major uh, incidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them required air evacuation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think the most, um, how do you say, it? the most uh, uh, dangerous accident was uh, a rider that fell on um, south of San Felipe on day two. Mm-hmm. Um, he hit uh, basically the ground with his helmet. And uh, he had a, a concussion, mm-hmm. um, and he was he was uh, uh, passed out for a bit. But um, I mean, he's okay right now. Uh, but that was basically, I think, the uh, the uh, most uh, dangerous situation that we had, um, um, and that was it. I mean, we used to like on on the race before that Mexican one thousand was the Nora five hundred in twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. We had, I think it was 16 bike entries, and nine of them crashed. Oh wow! That's that's how it was. I yeah. mean, they were they didn't have a clue on what was coming up ahead. Some of them were using lead nav uh, with uh, with uh, headphones uh, or earpieces, 
inside of the helmet. And that was kind of helping because LeapNav is a software or an app that we have uh, that reads basically your roadbook and tells you ahead of time what's coming up ahead. Mm -hmm. Some of the writers will using it. But like I said, I mean, uh, nine nine riders fell down of their bike uh, because, I mean, they didn't they didn't know that there was a ditch coming up or a rain rod or anything that could, you know, make it make it make trouble for them. Yeah. Some something that you would traditionally see marked in a road book and, and not just exactly and not just the down arrows. Right. I mean, if, if anybody spent time out in the desert racing, most races, they, there's a pretty much a standard for marking it with the, the arrows pointing down and, you know, one, two or three, depending on how serious it is. But that's just one vehicle or one bike that goes, you know, off course away from being knocked down and then it's no longer marked. And, and you know what, dude, at Nora, we don't do any markings at all. Oh. Uh, we don't have any pre-running. The course is completely secret to obviously prevent pre-running. Mm -hmm. So you won't be able to see any marking. So you can get lost really easy if you don't have, you know, the proper uh navigation tools yeah. so um that being said it is dangerous yeah. uh if if you don't actually navigate it is dangerous mm -hmm. well good and i mean in that you know it's, it, it slows the it achieves the goal it slows the pace down i mean dakar is doing it they're putting more notes and putting trickier directions on purpose to help slow the guys down so it's not a bad thing no 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 not at all and you know cars have a gps file <clears throat> and they have a roadbook. But the difference uh, basically is that for cars, we have a, a different course every day compared to the bikes. Mm -hmm. So bikes, even if bikes download the GPS file for vehicles, mm -hmm. they will not be on the same course and they will get caught because we got what we call navigation challenges in every stage. Mm -hmm. So if a bike is cheating following the car's course, if they are sharing some sections, mm -hmm. uh, they will get caught. But in the car's case, uh, they have a GPS file with waypoints. Every waypoint is numbered to match the note or the tulip in your roadbook. So if you see, uh, I don't know, note number 45 in your roadbook and it says it's a ditch on left, mm -hmm. when you see number 45 coming up in your screen on the GPS, you know that's a ditch on left. So your navigator will be able to tell you exactly what's coming up ahead if they match the roadbook with the GPS file. So we tried to make it as easy as possible for them. Uh, we once tried to go into full roadbook for cars and uh, our customers, they are definitely not into it. Not They were not ready by the time that uh, Darren Skilton helped us that time. And um, before he was uh, <clears throat> at Sonora Rally, mm -hmm. he wanted to, you know, uh, try to grow the rally raid format in America. So we were kind of, both of us are kind of, uh, give me one, give me one second. Sure. Listo. ¿Tu nombre? Eliseo. Afirma que no mal al final. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Um, okay, so um, both Darren and I are 
kind of what I can call like a rally nerd. I, we we love this, and we I, I would like to, you know, uh, have everything roadbook navigation all the time because I mean, it's it's I think it's way more fun. But um, you know, our, our, our racers are not ready uh, yet to to do a full transition, mm-hmm. and um, with, so that's why we have created the Nora style, which is basically a hybrid. Mm-hmm. between you know fully roadbook navigation and gps and we have no pre-running which is something that not a lot of people has but like for example if you check with uh, best in the desert or any other promoters that don't have free running uh, they will provide a gps file but not a fully navigational gps file it's just like something that you can use not to get lost mm-hmm. but it will still be dangerous if you are not driving what you can see. In our case, you can go fast because the way that we do the markings and the roadbook, it's with the purpose of you going fast. Mm-hmm. But if you know how to use it and you know how to use the tools. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the bikes. They were kind of fighting us against that because they said, okay, I'm not going to be able to actually read the roadbook and be able to ride the bike and be safe at the same time. Mm-hmm. But when the race ended, they changed completely their mind. And they said, you know what? It was fun. It was safer. And sometimes I was going even faster. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because that's that's in the, even if you're following a line on the GPS and you see the waypoints and you see the dots, you know, I mean, on a bike, you can't run a big GPS. You can't run the 11-inch or 12-inch GPSs that they're running in trophy trucks. It just won't happen. Exactly. And so to pick up on a skull and crossbones or something you know, along the line, it, it's just too hard to do that. But on a road book, if you get to note 45 and then you see note 47 is 20 kilometers away... It's game on. It's time to follow the road, have fun. You know, you know that there's really nothing in between. You know, just focus mm-hmm. on what's and that's it. If there was, then note 46 is because there is a ditch, a rain rut, or something that needs your attention. Yes, and you know what? One thing that we also did is we printed fully colored roadbooks. Okay. Uh, Mike Mike Shirley from Rally Navigator uh, has been with us since since day one. He's he's been developing rally navigator thanks to feedback from a lot of the promoters and uh i've been always uh pushing and pushing for little new features and stuff and uh when he came up with the uh fully colored roadbooks i mean that was a game changer um because you have to somehow comply with the fia regulations and you know that you should deliver the roadbook every morning that was one of the things that everybody was kind of fighting to that they wanted to have the roadbook a day before or the night before so they could load it up because some of the uh, writers were kind of, Oh, I I'm going to have a problem on how to load the roadbook. But Jimmy Lewis and Mike Shirley were every morning at 5 AM in the morning at the start helping mm-hmm. everyone. Nice. And that's something that I would like to say thank you because, you know, Matthew, Jimmy, and uh, Mike Shirley, the three of them, made this possible. It was not Eliseo. Eliseo is just the guy, the monkey that goes on the course and drops the waypoints and creates the roadbook. And then 
Jimmy edits those notes and Mike and, and, and Jimmy, even Ricky Breivik went down and tested the roadbook for us. And, uh, but you know, the brains behind everything were those three guys. And, and I think we owe what we did to them. Nice. Well, yeah. And I, and I did, I saw the, it was funny. I saw the posts from, uh, Jimmy Lewis with Ricky and I go in there in Baja and I, I, it didn't take me long to put two and two together. I'm going, I think they're on the Nora course. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, um, I was supposed to go with them, mm-hmm. uh, but I got sick that week and, uh, I had to stay home, <clears throat> but I was chasing them through the uh, Stella tracker, nice. uh, and making sure that everything was working and, you know, monitoring like race ops, uh, during the testing. And, um, when, when they finished uh, day two in Guerrero Negro, mm-hmm. um, I had uh, a dune section that I, it's hard to find dunes in Baja, you know. And um, so I, I was kind of very proud of my dune section. Mm-hmm. And, and when I called Jimmy, he was in the hotel and, and I said, what do you think about the dune section? He was like, what dunes, dude? Well, the, the dunes before Guerrero Negro. No, man, that's not dunes. That's camel grass. That's how we call them. That's that's a joke. And it was like, oh shit. <laughs> but it it's 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 how you you understand how huge these guys are ready to go through like actual real dunes. So, um, oh, yeah. but it was it was fun. Yeah, I, I remember hearing some of the stories of Dakar that it's like you 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 couldn't look up far enough at the bottom of this dune to see the top of it. You know, these huge, yeah. massive piles of sand. And so, yeah, I'm sure they're used to some different stuff. Even in Sonora, I heard some of the some of the comments of that was, you know, it was like it was a it was almost like a challenge. And they and they questioned whether anybody from the organization actually made it to the top of the dune to get the waypoint. Yeah. Or if they, or if they dropped it on like Google Earth, <laughs> on Google Earth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, there's no way. And some people, you know, well, I went up the backside of it, and that was even worse. And then, you know, they're trying. Well, I, I can tell you one thing. Darren is like a very dedicated person, and he, I can assure you, he was in the top of that dune. Yeah, he knows how to navigate. That that's the stubborn side. He's all, nope, we're going to the yes. top of this thing. <laughs> yes, whether I, whether I, these guys like it or not. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but yeah. that's what it is. I mean, it yeah. makes that's what makes Sonora what it is. It's a challenge. And that's how it needs to be, because that to me is a training rally to go into the real deal, which is the car. Yeah. And um, and they have to make it tough. So people understand like the Madlocks when they went there or Casey Curry, um, they they actually train with that uh, with that uh, event. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, it's in a it's a stepping stone aside from it being you know one of the road to Dakar events. So, you know, of course you're going to see see the challenge is going to be there, and I'm sure maybe the FIM uh, has some some say in some of the core stuff. I don't know, you know, the rules and some of the regular. I do know that Darren does does do a really good job of you know trying to run a really tight ship, something that's that's accurate. The timing, the liaisons, the entry into the start line the start yes. box, all of that stuff. Very, very, which very is, Which are things that we are just learning right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes years to actually learn and uh, teach our time control guys on how to actually do it the proper way and set up the finish line the way that it needs to be set up. And um, sometimes that we learned, some things that we learned on this event was uh, timing, uh, 
through the uh, Stella tracker. Uh, we were uh, not using it as a tool for timing. And uh, for this next event, we're going to do a testing on uh, timing through the uh, waypoints. So uh, that's something. And, and we're going to have a leaderboard, which will be live. And, you know, it's it fired up a lot of things that we haven't been doing to actually go do it. Nice. Yeah, after after seeing the result and how everybody turned around. I mean, that that to me was, is probably one of the more exciting parts because you you – with so many people interested in the event or, or going to ride the event and then the roadbook thing, I, to hear that only one person kind of said, you know what, yeah, that's not my style, is is awesome. I mean, you know, okay, cool. You know, they, they understand what they like and what they don't like, but that everybody else stayed. And then at the end of the event, even the ones that were 50-50 believed in roadbook navigation. I mean, that's everybody that's doing rally stuff in North America, that's what they should be trying to do, what you guys did. And, you know, um, a close friend of the guy that didn't do it said that he regretted it, that he said, you know what? Oh, I should have been there. Yeah. So uh, at the end, I think he's coming back next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that and, you know, and see, that's the thing is that like, I don't you know, a lot of people, you know, I've been to the events. I've worked timing and scoring uh, at, at some of the other events. And and that's the thing. I, I don't know that a lot of people understand that it's like, hey, you you don't have to go out and be competitive. You know, if, if you want to ride with your buddy and you guys want a tag team or you guys want to run in a group of three. I've seen that all the time, you know, yeah. and, and they you know, they they flip a coin on who opens the waypoint because they're all lost and, and they work together as a team, but on separate bikes, obviously. But there's nothing you can do that. So I think anybody that's kind of curious about trying it, I think, you know, what you guys have set up is, is actually a, a really good event, aside from that it was already developed to be fun. Yes, I agree with that. Like I said, um, <clears throat> I, I think the level of competition is. Uh... Oh, melted away. Uh Oh. Did we lose him? He did tell me that he was at the border, so there might be uh, some... Uh... Oh, fast rider. Uh, Matthew, too. Um, 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 I think we had uh, two or three more riders that were on the top all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, definitely, I think that um, maybe out of the whole field, the top five will be actually, you know, fighting for a podium. Mm -hmm. And um, and they will be competitive. Uh, we we've had uh, Steve Hangeveld in the past to do it. Uh, Ricky Johnson, um, you know Scotty Bloom from Baja Rally, he did it uh, a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Even Tim Morton did it the first time. And um, you know, uh, riders that have been you know um, racing for a long time too. Yeah, and so th this is you know interesting. If you guys you guys have been doing doing the event with the GPS style up until this year's event. How many, like, before the top right, the top group, like, the, the guys, the fast guys, do you recall, like, how many it would be? Was it, like, the top three guys were always the, they were always the ones finishing in that order, you know, one, two, and three? And and this year, did it grow? Did you guys see, oh. like, now it was, like, the top five were it actually... Well, basically, I I think that it was kind of faster now with the roadbook mm -hmm. than with the GPS. Mm -hmm. 
That was my general feeling. Mm. I, I think we had more people close to a podium finish now before, but we had, you know, rally pros mm -hmm. coming down and doing it. Yeah. So um, maybe that could be the reason too. Yeah. And those rally pros were not interested in Nora when it was when it was GPS. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why I'm kind of curious on how it how it will be resulting in the next Mexican 1000 when we have instead of five rally riders, actual rally riders, what about 20 of them together? Mm -hmm. Like Yeah, and I mean and it's uh... You know, some, when I was with the, the Baja Rally organization, and with them, that was one of the things on my wish list was go down the peninsula. But you guys are already doing that. So yes. I, I, I feel like I, I would agree that I think that it's going to grow and you guys are going to see more entries. And I think that the like what you were saying is that more people closer to the podium is a is an indicator of the rally sport. You know, you have to be able to navigate. So because you have to be able to navigate, that means the guy in front of you on that factory bike can just as easily make a mistake as you can. And that will cost them time. And now all of a sudden, you know, that, it's just this ladder effect. And so, you know, I've always believed that you go out to a desert, you go out to the Baja 1000. And if Colton Udall, Mark Samuels is there and, and say you bring back Hengeveld and he's there. Well, you know that the race is now for fourth because those are the top three right there. But now you put a road book in front of them. And, and Johnny Campbell. And then, John, yeah, and then Johnny. If it's Johnny Campbell, yeah. That's, <laughs> the overall is done for. We know it's a bike. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, you can tell. You show up to a score event and you know who the top three are going to be at the finish line. Pretty much. But you go to a rally event and that group gets a lot bigger. You know, it, it's not as easy to figure out. Okay, well, these are the, because all it, you're literally one navigation mistake away from from losing a couple of minutes not losing the race but just losing a couple minutes and that's enough to make a difference so yeah, i is that that's what the that the keyword is the whole friend or game running because when, when you don't spend the before the event rerun Yeah, not not having the ability to pre-run or or do anything. Everybody's Hello. on the same. Up, oh, you there? Yes, oh. I'm here. Oh, okay, I perfect. think I lost you for a bit. But yeah, there we go. We're good. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, not having not having pre-running, not having you know, everybody's on the same playing field. You know, and and yeah, I mean, even even if they are rally race, the only thing they're going to have is a little bit more road book experience. But otherwise, you know, mm -hmm. and are you guys going to, uh, you know, with with having a like a solo cloud, would you guys be di dividing it up like a like a rally pro versus a rally one or something like that? Yes, we will have uh, Matthew shared with us a lot of the experience and he suggested we should have uh, what we call rally pro category, which will be open bike, solo rider, mm -hmm. uh, unlimited everything and uh, amateur Uh, pro amateur rally, okay. which will be that's one thing that we are still writing the rules. Uh, Chris Wilson, our tech director, was going to call Matthew uh, to get his feedback on. Uh, I think Matthew said any rider with more than three rally raid events should not be considered an amateur anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's that's what we need to define what's going to be 
the uh, the uh, how do you say it? Um, the requirement for you to be able to register as amateur, mm-hmm. because we don't want any pro riders at amateur. Yeah, you want you want so, to protect um, you want to protect the class, you know, and, and for the guys getting into it. Yes. Yeah, so nice. No, I, I I completely agree with that. And it should be fair for everyone. Yeah. No, absolutely. And 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 it is. And rally is the great equalizer. That roadbook levels the playing field. Everybody's on the same one. So now it really is a hundred percent. And and not only is it bike setup and riding ability, but it's now navigating ability. And that's a 50 50 between those two. You could have the best bike out there. You could have the, be in the best physical condition and be the absolute worst at navigation. And you're just not going to make it. Or you could be the best navigator and you have a bike that just won't make it to an end of a stage. And it's just not going to work. Or you're going to notice that at the end of the fifth day, that last stretch, you know, you're tired, you're beat up, you know, you're not in that, in that shape. So it, it, it definitely opens it up to more, more people, to share in that spotlight, the top 10, the top five. Yes. Because of that. Yes. And, and, you know, like, like, uh, Matthew suggested, I mean, it's, it's so unfair to ride against a team of four riders that will be splitting the course, uh, every 100 miles and you're all by yourself Mm -hmm. doing everything for five days. So, um, uh, he had a big point on that, and that's the main reason why we said, you know what, we we should do it for the next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that you know that I agree with that. You know that traditionally rally, that's just you know how it how it works. You know, and or if uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, there's other way, you know, dividing it up and all this. But now the the challenge is is being able to ride it and and stages. You know, you know what? I just got to make it to the end of the day. I'm going to be able to park this thing, rest, and you know, good to go. You know, at least get a little bit of shit. If you don't have to fix anything. If you don't. <laughs> Aha. <laughs> That's very true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Depending on how much yes. work you got to do that night. So, but no, I, you know, I love it. I mean, I, I, I really, I, I was glad to see that you guys did that. And it was huge news because I, I know, you know, and through the years uh, and talking to, to some of the guys in the industry, you know, like Mike Johnson and, and talking to them, like it I know that it, the last time you guys went road books, it just, a lot of people didn't really like it and they put their foot down. And now I think with what Ricky Brabeck has done and with, uh, Jimmy Lewis has done and the curiosity and people, it's just continued to grow. So I think it's like perfect timing that you got on your guys's part, you know, to get this going. Yes. Oh, nice. Give me one second. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I'll go ahead and mute it. So yeah, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm Absolutely looking forward to to more of this. I mean, you're you're looking at a different event, you know, a, a happier or happy event because all of the stops. Uh, if you know, if you guys, he's he's on mute. He's handling something really quick. But you know, if you look at the Instagram stuff and you look at some of their posts and some of the videos and all of this stuff, you'll you'll see that there's the atmosphere is very different. You know, it's more of a. a I don't want to say party, but it's not as uptight and, and just like super serious and game face. And, you know, there's people that want to be competitive and they will always be competitive no matter what event you go to. But something like this, you know, you, you can see it. The vibe is just completely different. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, and especially, you know, that you got the Nora 500 coming up uh, being road book. I'm really interested in that. 
you know, I, I want to go and see. And, uh, you know, now in my mind, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I need to change my vacation days. And instead of going to the uh, KTM Adventure Rally, maybe I need to go down to the Nora, uh, to the Nora 500. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we're definitely going to see some uh, some changes. Oh, nope. are you back? Oh, it, it's cutting off. We got the. We've got the robot thing. I think the. the are you there? Nope. Oh. All right. Looks like he dropped off. That must be. Oh, I'm not done recording. What happened? More technical difficulties. I think this is going to be the show with the most te- technical difficulties. Oh, there we go. Let me uh, let me go ahead and mute that. You guys don't want to listen to the elevator music while I uh, while I resend him the link really quickly here. There we go. All right, now jump back to the other one. So I use Anchor for those of you guys that don't know already. They're the ones that was at uh, elevator music in the background, but basically. Uh, that allows me to record this stuff in HD for you guys. So it doesn't sound like we're on the phone, uh, other than when the cell reception cuts out. But I think, uh, I mean, I'm, like I said, I mean, I'm excited, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, well, this is, I love the idea that it's here. It's close. We've got more races now. Now, if you really think about it, okay, well, I, I want to go down and I want to get into rally raid. You've got the Nora 500 two day event, right? You're going to do two separate courses, roadbook, and then you've got the Nora 1000, uh, you've got the Baja Rally six day. Uh, I know they're working on the Catavina Rally. I know they're working on, I believe, another San Quentin event rally event as well. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the Sonora Rally. So now you're all of a sudden out of nowhere. You could put together a whole year of racing rally here in North America, and that's just Baja. Now you throw in events like the Kota Rally, right? Uh, then what is it? Wyoming Tulip Festival. I mean, there's. There's like different things going on. There's a lot of different rallies. There's trainings. There's all sorts of stuff. So if you want to get into rally, I mean, it's like, what's stopping you at this point? You know, literally a phone call to Matthew over at Rally Moto Shop and he'll get you set up. And if you got questions, I can show you how, you know, what I'm doing. I've got a rally light build going on in the garage. You know, we talked to Tony Palandrani last weekend and, and that's what he rides. He's, you know, basically just in for the rally light stuff. So I, I see this, you know, only continuing to grow. I see that there's uh, there's more opportunities now, and it makes it a lot easier to get into the event. Uh, it's just a matter uh, it's just a matter of getting into you know just saying, okay, here's the bike I'm going to run, and I'm I'm going to make it happen. So I'm I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely curious to see what happens uh, with with the future of the event. Um, let me tell him here just. I just sent the link. All right. So, I mean, it's, like I said, plenty of opportunity to do it. Yeah, let me see. Hey, Lucero, are you back? Yes, I'm back. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was just saying, I'm like, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm supposed to go to the KTM Adventure Rally, but suddenly I'm thinking maybe it would be more fun to go to the uh, the Nora 500 <laughs> well, you can do you can do two things. Um, you can do Nora 500, then rest for one day, then go to San Quintin and start the Baja Rally, because <laughs> we are right next one to each other. Um, mm. 
Scotty, Scotty was uh, willing to do like a challenge between the two events. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we couldn't get it done. Uh, but um, I think that if anybody wants to, you know, do the whole the whole experience, you can do two racing days with Nora and then go and do the Baja Rally, which is a five-day event. Yeah. Uh, and that's a completely different terrain. It's south of San Quintin, mm-hmm. and, um, and I know they're going to have a bitching course too. Yeah. So um, you can do that too. I mean, it's it's going to be a whole week, but um, it's possible. Uh, that that would be pretty awesome because I know it's the Baja Rally. It's going to be the six day Baja Rally, so six days there and then two days with you guys. Uh, so yeah, there's some. Uh, see, we're we're getting closer to being able to do our own Dakar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> little, little by little, we're inching to it. You know, so um, I saw um, uh, Scott Whitney. Uh, shared with us on ADV Rider <clears throat> what his uh, idea of uh, Dakar USA was. And uh, it was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anybody that goes into ADV Rider could find it. Yeah. And uh, someday, maybe. I don't know. Um, I, you know, Like it, I said, I think, I think we're not ready yet for that. Mm-hmm. But I see many more Americans uh, in Dakar every year. So um, even though the French don't like uh, Americans. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, I I, <laughs> I believe that. You know, I, I know that there's, uh, you know, I well, you know, I don't know. Or, or they give them more weight. I don't know. I, I just was not impressed uh, that that day that they canceled the stage at the gas stop because everybody said that it was too rough. And Daniel I Sanders. Yeah. And Daniel Sanders called everybody princesses. And yes, I saw that on on the on the documentary that I told you. I, yeah. I just I can't remember the name of this writer, but I know it's Italian. Uh-huh. And um, um, I'll try to see if I can find it so so you can see that. Yeah. And you can actually see a lot of the insides of how the car is uh, made on the writer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, like I said. Uh, he got run over by De Villiers uh, in the second second day. I think it was the second stage, mm-hmm. and uh, how he uh, fixed the bike, and uh, how he made it to the uh, B walk, and how uh, De Villiers came and apologized and said, "You know what? You're so tired, and uh, I'm going to find the way to help you." And they got his uh, uh, own mechanics to find the way to repair the bike and get it ready for him the next day so he could go and rest nice so uh, yeah but definitely uh like i say it's it's when when they canceled that stage because it was too rough uh that italian writer said you know what maybe it's rough for the uh you know the actual uh pro riders but to me it didn't look like really tough it's like but I don't know. I mean, yeah, they, you know, it was, that was interesting. Cause I, I talked to a, a couple of people that I talked to, but, um, like, uh, Mason Klein was one, one of them and, 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 and other comments I heard from other writers and they said it was no worse. It was actually not even as bad as a, uh, a typical best in the desert race start, you know, after it's been pre-ran or after there's, you know, there's tracks already on the ground. They said it was nothing worse than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually it, it wasn't even that. And so 
I just think that for a lot of riders and a lot of people, and especially in those events is yeah, a couple of days in nerves, tired, whatever it is, even though it's right at the beginning of the event or, or, or getting closer to the halfway point, nobody is telling you to ride that fast. If it's too rough, slow down, you know, leave the, leave those speeds for those guys. That's, I mean, on the factory bikes, that's what they want to do. That's what they get paid to do. So yeah, so I don't know, but I'm glad to hear that you guys, I mean, as far as the terrain goes and all that stuff, you guys, you guys try and keep it mellow because I know in Baja, it's tough to find the mellower stuff. Yeah, we, we call that the Nora course. <clears throat> and the thing is, the Nora course will always be fun, challenging somehow, mm-hmm. but not like really tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it will be tough in maybe some sections during the day because there is no other way to go besides that one but it will be limited um you know the uh, the uh, documentary that i was uh, saying it's called uh, un sogno chiamato dakar like in italian un sogno chiamato dakar okay uh, it's posted by rally pov pov's okay. and victor mm-hmm. in uh, youtube just look for it okay. and you will like it like I said, it it's it shows you things that you don't actually see every every time that anybody goes to the car. Yeah, nice. Well, and that's that's always the cool part, right? Seeing it from another from the other side of it. You know, the things that we don't we don't understand. And that was uh, actually in talking to um, to Tony Palandrani about it is that uh, we don't get to see or was it Chris Tavner I was talking to, but we don't get to see a lot of the other stuff, right? We get to see what the top riders are doing. Our news is fed to us by Red Bull TV and what the Dakar chooses is, is newsworthy. And they're so strict on GoPros and footage and stuff like that, that we don't get to see a lot of that, you know? So when you get a documentary yes. like this, it's solid gold because now you get to see, okay, here is the other side of it. Yeah. I spoke with a few a few writers that that uh, have done it, mm-hmm. and they they said the same thing. You know, they said if you slow down enough to get caught by the fast cars, it's dangerous. It's like because I was asking them about safety. It was like, what what is the car doing for protecting bikes? And they all said the same thing: nothing. They're not doing anything. They don't care about the bikes. It's yeah. like, so it was like, oh. It's, I, I had a different picture. I, mm-hmm. I thought they were kind of more worried about it yeah. and, uh, and, and no. And then it's, it's interesting because then you get stories like, you know, things I've heard with like Robbie Gordon, right? Everybody, you know, a lot of people, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people view Robbie Gordon as a loose cannon and they see him over there in the deck card and then jumping and doing the donuts and putting on a show for the people. Right. I mean, that's just what he does. I mean, he's, you know. But then when it That's comes being to Robbie, yeah, he's being Robbie. But then what they don't see is, is that when he goes to make a pass on a bike, he, he gives them all the room in the world. You know, mm-hmm. he, he knows, you know, yeah, I can get this thing up to 140 miles an hour. I got no problem. That bike's barely going to do 100, 110. So they, he goes way around and gives a lot of room. And usually the fast cars will cut the slowest bikes. So mm-hmm. those bikes might do 100. If the rider is like in good shape and he's a, you know, yeah. actually riding the bike, but when you get caught, you're not in good shape, or your bike is not in good shape, and you're not going to be riding fast. So you're going to go maybe eighty 
70, 80, yeah. and you're going to get caught by a car going 130 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's what I, what you can see on that documentary, how the cars, you know, it's wide open. Yeah, it's wide open desert, but mm-hmm. you can see how the cars pass and yeah. they're really, really hauling us. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's not, I mean, it's not safe at all, you know, to, to be doing that. Like, it'd be one thing if they... Uh, if they stayed wide and you could, you could visually see that, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time trying to get close to you or, or you're on my line. You know, I'm just going to go around you, you know, way around yeah, but you. The, the writer doesn't even have the chance to look back and see that mm-hmm. the Sentinel just beeps and then boom, it goes by yeah. because they're coming so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's, that's, that's safe. Speak, yeah. Speaking of safety. So I got, I got a last question for you. What do you think about big bikes? The adventure bikes, the 700s, the 790s, uh, well, going back to at, the Dakar or, or Rally Raid. Uh, at Nora, we have a multi-cylinder class. And uh, and looking at them, how they struggle sometimes through the Baja roads, mm-hmm. it, it you know, it's, 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 it's a challenge just to be able to ride the bike mm-hmm. uh, in Baja. Uh, I couldn't imagine that going into actually... Saudi Saudi Arabia, yeah. uh, but I don't know. I mean, if you talk to them, uh, uh, like uh, there was one rider, uh, Victor Avitia, on this race that he did it on a multi-cylinder, um, and um, the way that he manages to ride the bike, it's incredible because you can see it doesn't actually have a lot of uh, suspension. Uh, it, it bottoms out really easy and, uh, but he handles it. And, uh, that's one thing that, you know, makes them special. And uh, I think that everybody deserves the right to be there. It's like, uh, sidecars, um, motors with sidecars. We had a few, uh, in, 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 uh, back in the, in, in the back years of Nora. Uh, now for the next edition, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have one uh, sidecar um, uh, registering because they want to finish. No bike with sidecar has finished uh, a Nora event in the past. So they want to be in the history and say, okay, we're the first bike with the sidecar to finish. Nice. And, uh, you know, we had the Vespas came down and they two Vespas did the Mexican 1000. It sounds crazy because you know, you would say, how can a Vespa finish a Baja event? Well, they did. Uh, sometimes when it was really rough, they had to uh, go out of the stage and um, and they got penalized for not finishing the stage because it was kind of really late for them because they were kind of slow. But at the end, uh, they did more than 80% of the entire course, which is honorable enough. Yeah. To say they did finish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not, it, it is not an easy feat. And, and that's the thing. I mean, it, some of the Baja roads, you know, that's the, you know, it'll be great, big, wide open, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden there's a washout and you're scratching your head going, uh, <laughs> this may yep. be a little bit more difficult, you know, or it gets rocky and then, you know, you start going sideways and knocking the, uh, the, the pan on your bike on the bottom or stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like, 
oh, you yeah. never know what's coming around the corner in Baja. No, I, I remember uh, I remember back uh, when we used to race five sixteen hundred and score. And I remember when you would get up to Mike Sky Ranch and you went around the hotel and you came around that corner and there was the rock with the arrow painted on it. And, you're yes. suppo- mm-hmm. and you were supposed to go up it. <laughs> yeah, still there. <laughs> that, I went through there last month. <laughs> nice. Yeah, see, so yeah. it's like, you know, you got up there and you're like, man, that was a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden yeah. it was like, uh, <laughs> this does not yeah. look like fun. But, well, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's like what you said when they stopped that stage in Dakar mm-hmm. and some of them will say, hey, it was going to be fun. Mm-hmm. But... um yeah. It, it depends on the way you see that. Yeah. Yeah. Other and others. Yeah. There we go. You know, it's, it's a nightmare for them, but you know, you know not, not everybody is Paul Taras on a 700, you know? So yes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, cool. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm like literally seriously thinking about it cause I am, um, I'm scheduled to go down to the Baja rally, uh, and hang out with those guys and, and, and do some stuff down there. So, um, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe skip KTM well, and then go down with you guys and, you know, you can come down anytime. Just let me know ahead of time so I can get everything ready for you. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. But yeah. So, okay. So that one is again, September 30th, October 1st. Nora yes, it will be tech inspection will be September the 29th. Okay. Thursday. And uh, race day one will be the 30th. And then race day two will be October the 1st. And the awards will be October the 2nd. Mm-hmm. And that's when you need to hit the road south of San Quintin to go to do the Baja Rally. To do the Baja Rally. Okay. Got yeah, it. I think the Baja Rally starts on the 3rd. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, I think the tech inspection is on Monday. And then it goes. Tuesday. Yeah, that's the third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it uh, it's going to be a busy week. <laughs> yes, but, I can. Know, I, I agree with that. Yeah, but it's okay. It's all in fun. <laughs> it's all about having fun. So yes. Nice. All right. And then so I'll drop the uh, the website right. Nora Nora Yeah, Nora Really easy. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So I'll have the link in the uh, in the description for this episode. Uh, along with a specific link to the information on the 500. Uh, and then do you guys already have the date for next year's Mexico 1000, or are we still working on that? Uh, we will announce that this week. Oh, uh, perfect. We, we, are ready. we are ready to announce it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the press release will go out, I think, tomorrow. Oh, awesome. I'm pretty positive. Yeah. Okay. I got to make sure. I think I'm pretty sure I have the podcast at Chasing Waypoints. Uh, on your mailing list, but I'll make sure it's on there before I okay uh, before I close up tonight. But perfect, excellent. So, well, I really appreciate you taking time. I know you guys are always busy and doing stuff and getting ready for the next event. So, I appreciate you taking time. I I really appreciate your invitation, and I look forward to meeting you. And uh, whenever you want to come down, just let me know. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. All bye-bye. right. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. All right. So that was Eliseo Garcia from. The Nora organization. So I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's like, it's, it's been talked about. It's been said, you know, rally rate is growing, rally rate is growing, but to see an event like this, especially an event that a few years back tried to go full roadbook and, and met with adversity, uh, now to go back and revisit that for the motorcycles and people being in and up for it. I think that's a very big deal. And I think that it is a very good indicator of how our industry, how the the rally industry here is actually starting to grow and gain speed, gain momentum and start moving forward. So 
uh, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. You know, I cannot wait to, to see this next event, see how many writers go. And then if they're going to be dividing up the classes, because, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Matthew did bring up a good point, you know, you're doing this as a solo rider and you're trying to make it happen uh, all by yourself, you know, and to have uh, a group of riders breaking up the course, you know, I don't know, maybe they change it. Maybe there's something that they'll do is where it'll be like, well, you know, okay, that's the team, but you got to do one rider per and you're not going to allow like that's going to be its own thing. So maybe you only get a chance to do that in the amateur side. And then once you get up to the rally pro side, now you have to do it all by yourself. So I don't know. You know, I, I there's a lot of things that can be done. But the biggest thing is, is it sounds like they've got a great format. Uh, they they know the roads that they're picking. They're picking them purposefully and, and making sure everybody has a good time. And like you said, you know, they obviously saw a huge decline uh, in the in the number of incidents, race related incidents that, you know, were there. It's a motorcycle event. It's it's a car event. It's dangerous. There's always going to be that chance. But to be able to see a reduction and be able to basically connect the dots from going from GPS to roadbook, that's absolutely huge. So I'm absolutely looking forward to more and getting um, getting some more information and getting getting oh, all sorts of stuff. I don't even know. I'm just looking forward to it. Is it uh, is it September yet? Maybe not. Well, anyway, in the meantime, don't forget, keep it shiny side up. That is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. <laughs>